You're now listening to Sanity at the Movies! Hooray! And today we are talking about the second of our Disney princesses. I'm Nathan, I'm an obedient host, that's Jake, the pastor who's a master of going to the cinema. That's me. Which is what he says, he says to I his say, wife, I'm going to the cinema. Darling, shall we go to the cinema tonight? That's right, yeah. Get some popping corn, some well-buttered popping corn. Yes, yeah, that's what I said. And then she was like, where are we going to find a cinema that is... Uh, playing cinderella and so then i was like oh yeah you're right i'm stupid we'll just watch it on disney plus scintillating social satire from (laughs) (laughs) the minds of sanity at the movies (laughs) it turns out people don't have to go to the cinema and they don't have to dress up for it and actually it's just no fun to go to the cinema when you've got a big tv with nice sound which are pretty cheap especially in trump's america the economy is booming i've been told yeah America herself, a little bit of a Cinderella story. She was down yeah. on down on the ropes. I guess down on the ropes would be more Picked like a Cinderella man her story. Wicked stepmother, her w- Great Britain, her wicked stepmother, Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> no, but I think everybody knows that our blood is red. It's white. It's blue. Yeah, all all the all the things. There's an American eagle perched on Jake's shoulder right now. All the time, really. It's as there always is. Not there. He's like. Is it Maleficent that always has the, we'll be talking about her next time, that always has the crow? Yeah. Jake's like American Maleficent. Americent. (laughs) Maleficent? Maleficent, yeah. She's in this film. The actress? Yeah. Is it the same voice for the Wicked Stepmother? It is, yeah. There you go. And the fairy godmother is one of the fairy godmothers, fairies of Sleeping Beauty as well. Well, there you go. I think think she's, I think she's Flora. Is that the the blue one? No, I or think do I just want to say pink, that because pink one? There you go. I think Meriwether's the blue one. Yeah, Meriwether's. And then the green good. one's the one you always forget the name of Fauna, maybe or something like that. You get Flora and Fauna. True or false? I don't know. The green one's the smart leader, like the Mo of these three Stooges. No, the pink one is. Okay, that's the pink one. And then the blue one is like the dumb Gus Gus kind of the one that's no, the that's most... the green one. The green one's like okay. the did sprain. It's been a little while. And since the blue I've seen one's Sleeping the Beauty. sassy one who's competing with the pink one would be played by whoopi goldberg if it was done in the 90s kind Something of like kind that, of deal yeah, yeah fairy godmother this one in sleeping beauty and then maleficent is the wicked stepmother well there you go i did not make that connection because i you're much i recognize their voices because i am a sleeping beauty fan i just thought you were gonna say you are a sleeping beauty i am a sleeping beauty Jake i'm also bed. a sleeping beauty <laughs> that's right it's very beautiful to watch jake sleep <laughs> i don't know whether i've ever watched you sleep or not what? I mean, <laughs> even if we were in the same hotel or something, I don't know that I would actually watch you sleep because that would be the height of creepiness. That would be very creepy. I'm glad that you would not do that. But I'm trying to think whether I've ever had the opportunity. You'd think after all these years, maybe I would have, but... Yeah, we would I, have fallen asleep in a similar location. I can I neither confirm so. nor deny that Jake is a sleeping beauty. Even on road trips, uh, I think we've always had... Separate quarters. Separate quarters, yeah. Yes, I think you're right. And on road trips, I drive. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever seen Jake sleep. I'm sure he's does it very beautifully, though. Or handsome. Handsomely. He's waking handsome. People should know that about him. Yeah. And so he's probably sleeping handsome. Be that as it may, folks, we are going to talk about 1950s Cinderella by the Walt Disney Corporation. Jake, were you looking forward to this one? Yeah. I hadn't seen this one in a long time. I don't think I'd seen it since I was a kid. The only thing I really remembered was there was a mouse named Gus Gus, and he was always getting into scrapes and stuff. Mm-hmm. You remember when it was recycled into theaters and you had like it was around christmas time and they had the the little uh jock and gus gus christmas ornaments at mcdonald's or something like that i do vaguely remember jock and gus gus christmas ornaments i think i had some 
I'm going to, I'm going to look this up and see when that would have been. I'm going to say 1992, 1992. Let's see. I'm looking this sucker up. You can trace the ornaments. There's a vintage 87 Gus Gus and Jock ornament that you can find on eBay. There's also a 97, but I'm guessing that you would have been a little old for Cinderella. Would have been too old. Yeah. Would have been 13. 87. These these are the ones that I remember. Yeah, the 87 ones. And so McDonald's Happy Meal Toys, 1987. I was three, and I remember when these hit in the Happy Meals. And so I just assumed that there was a a theatrical re-release. Otherwise, why would McDonald's be doing that? But maybe it was a release to home video. Oh, yeah. November 20th, 1987, there was a re-release of Cinderella. Guys, I was three years old. I just want to point that out. (laughs) (laughs) And if you want to puzzle out why Jake remembers that, you can listen to every other podcast that we've listened. And I think between all of them, you can put it together. You can put all those pieces together. There are reasons. And also, there's probably a podcast where you just I probably it. just explicitly say it, but it's this kind of, podcast will not be that n- podcast. Nope, You're this... going to have to go and, and puzzle it out somewhere else. Right. So just listen to all our other podcasts, support all our Patreons, and listen to us talk about Cinderella for the rest of this podcast. Jake, are you a fan of the Cinderella story? Yeah. Who's not a fan of the C- Cinderella story? I don't know. I, when I was a kid, I think I thought it was kind of for girls. It's, a, it's just rags to riches, man. Is it? Yeah. I guess she starts in rags and goes to riches. Yeah. I guess when people, other people go from rags to riches, everyone says it's a Cinderella story. They do, yeah. I guess it's kind of one of the top two or three iconic stories. Like you got a David and Goliath story, a Cinderella yeah. story. Yeah, it's, I mean, every March Madness basketball, mm-hmm. you know, you're looking for that Cinderella story. You're hoping that Cinderella can keep dancing. It's the big dance and you're hoping Cinderella can keep dancing till midnight. You know, that's like the the way that we talk about it. It's the... It's that underdog team that, you know, has a magical little run that nobody expected. Mm-hmm. And you want them to go as far as they can. And then, you know, midnight calls at some point along the way. And But it was a great run. Or, you know, sometimes they make it. I, I What Cinderella did you actually grow up with? Who was the Cinderella of your childhood? Because mine was Drew Barrymore. My mom loved a little movie called Ever After. Oh. We owned the VHS. I mean, Cinderella from like the blue dressed the Cinderella we're talking about today. I don't know why I'm using other adjectives. The Disney Cinderella, yeah. 1951. That, that's like who would have been in my mind as Cinderella, certainly who I had as a little kid. But the Cinderella movie that I've probably seen the most is Ever After, actually. Uh, I don't even know that I've seen Ever After. I don't think that you should have to see it, Jake. It's kind of like if you imagine teeny bopper aged Drew Barrymore doing her own proto-feminist take on like Cinderella. very, very lame 90s proto-feminist like i am woman i will save the prince kind of thing not even as subtle as a say a frozen Uh then you can watch ever after but i bet there's a whole bunch of people listening to this that really loved ever after and grew up with it because if you're about our age like i wouldn't be shocked if your wife really liked ever after or at least was thoroughly familiar with it from i'm sure she was thoroughly familiar with sleepovers and stuff like that although tended to watch a lot of horror movies well there you go obviously your wife a notorious sinner yeah and retrobate or retrobate (laughs) (laughs) reprobate yeah so most of these like you just look up popular cinderella movies i have i've not seen them well let's see i've seen the 1950s cinderella obviously that one and the uh, disney remake with lily james yep i've seen those but just going down the list you've got 
A Cinderella Story, If the Shoe Fits. Never seen it. A Cinderella Story, Once Upon a Song. Never seen it. Another Cinderella Story. It looks like a sequel of A Cinderella Story, Once Upon a Story. A Cinderella Story, Christmas Wish. Yep. Are these all like Netflix originals or something? They're just- Or Hallmark? They're what Google pops up. Into the Woods. Sure, that's got Cinderella in it. What about your Ella Enchanted? Ella Enchanted is coming down the line. I'm trying to figure out what the subtitle of this L one, though, because it's not Ella. It's L. Is L? Then there's the 1950 Cinderella, and then there's Ever After, and then a Cinderella story, (laughs) and then the slipper. Cinderella story's got Hilary Duff, right? Yes. That's the Hilary Duff one. And then there's Ella Enchanted, and then there's a Cinderella just a live action something or other. And then after the ball, the glass slipper, Cinderella and the Secret Prince, Rags, which is a Nickelodeon something or other. There you go. Once Upon a Time in the West, Cinderella. And this is a lot of bad looking things on here. Sabrina. The Teenage Witch? No, Sabrina. The movie with, uh, with oh, Mar- yeah. Martin Sheen. and Martin Sheen? You mean Audrey Hepburn and... Uh, no, this is the Humphrey 1995 Bogart? remake with... Oh, uh, starring Harrison Ford. Oh, Harrison and, Ford. And some lady. Yeah, Julia Ormond. Yeah, Julia Ormond. <laughs> Didn't really go on. Sorry, to... the, the way that Her- Harrison Ford was... I want you to cut that. That's embarrassing. I mistook Harrison Ford for Martin Sheen in this photo. They were both men that lived in the 20th century. I mean, it's really small, but... Oh, you know what, folks? I'm not going to cut it because I just looked at the photo and I can totally see it. I get it. Now, yeah, so I've also I been watching I, a lot I also of West feel like Wing. I should have remembered. Yeah, you know, people remember that one fondly, but it's not that great. It's not worth remembering. That's my hot take for the day. I, I actually don't really like either Sabrina. That's my hot take. Sabrina is just not a very good story, I don't think, actually, when mm-hmm. it comes down to it. I like Audrey Hepburn. I love Humphrey Bogart. How about Jerry Lewis as Cinderfella? Oh, good old Cinderfella. You know, I think I've seen that. I don't really remember it. I, I think there's the part where Jerry Lewis gets hit on the head and makes a funny sound or pulls a face or something. <laughs> no way. I'm just thinking. I have think a vague that memory that of that. that might happen in a... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Vaguely <laughs> effeminate. There might even be some comedy in there. I'm not sure. I'm just going to say that my Cinderella was Disney Cinderella. There's just no... Uh, Entertainment Weekly gives Ever After the single best Cinderella adaptation, followed by... Kenneth Branagh's 2015 Cinderella, followed by Disney's 1950 Cinderella, followed by Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella. That's right. 1997. Is that starring Brandy or something like that? Do I remember that right? It's one of those Rodgers and Hammerstein's properties, if I'm not mistaken, that's never been made into a proper movie. I think Julie Andrews even did like a televised version of it or something like that way back in the day. But you'd think like... Rodgers and Hammerstein do Cinderella would be like a big deal. They did make it into a film and it was Brandy and Whitney Houston. Right. It was okay. So I I got a little bit more information in addition to what Jake just said. It's actually the only Rodgers and Hammerstein musical written for television and was originally broadcast live on CBS as a vehicle for none other than the most famous person to be associated with Rodgers and Hammerstein and the best. She's a female. You really like her. She runs up a hill. Julie in a, a non outfit. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Julie Andrews. Yeah. I guess they've remade it since then. But isn't that weird that there's a Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella version out there somewhere with Julie Andrews and like it's, nobody even. It's not a thing that anybody knows about or cares about. Yeah. That's weird. 
Yeah, except for Brandy, I guess, did a version. Yeah, Brandy did and a more modern Whitney version. Houston was the godmother. So that okay, so the Julie Andrews Rogers and Ham- Hammerstein Cinderella is number six on this list. There you go. Maybe we'll have to track that down some someday. What is your favorite version of Cinderella now? I guess you've only seen the two, and I've only seen three, maybe four. Rodgers and Hammerstein did several. So they're on this list three times. Really? They, they, they did the 60, a 65 version starring Leslie Ann Warren. Mm. So the number four was Brandy and Bernadette Peters and Whitney Houston. Number six they got, and that was Julie Andrews. And then they took the 10 spot with 1965 Leslie Ann Warren. There you go. That sounds like something that would be worth hunting down, probably. Does not benefit from comparisons to the 1957 Julie Andrews adaptation or the 1997 incarnation. Warren comes off as shrill and cloying when compared with Julie Andrews' perfect voice and unaffected sweetness. Well, it's pretty hard not to come off as shrill or cloying or something when compared to... Julie Andrews, yeah. (laughs) One of the living goddesses of the 20th century, Mary Poppins herself. Practically perfect in every way. Okay, so this blue dress it's not really blue it's kind of blue who cinderella from disney i'm just gonna say the 1950 cinderella is my cinderella is your cinderella yeah is it in fact the best cinderella though jake it depends on what we're talking about i guess it's it certainly sticks with i really enjoyed kenneth Branagh's cinderella this one sticks with me more it's got more color to it it's got the mice it does have the mice. And my kids ate the mice up. Just like Lucifer wanted to do. Just like Lucifer wanted to do. They loved those mice. And I remember loving those mice as a kid too. I remember loving those mice too. I remember as a young lad loving the mice and not being all that excited about Cinderella herself. Cinderella or the story. Well, that's the that's the the smart thing about a princess movie is you've got these doofus boyish mice that are getting into trouble and fighting the cat and gonna die there's like danger Mm -hmm. and risk and death all around around each corner for the mice and meanwhile there's a bunch of boring girl stuff for girls yeah what i like is how much i I don't think i ever realized until i'm watching these again now as an adult like these watching snow white for this uh, podcast and watching cinderella i love how the animals cue you as a kid how you're supposed to feel about the heroes they'll be cheering mm-hmm. on yeah. cinderella from the sidelines or saying boo and you know gus oh, gus will be swinging cinderella, his fist. yeah gus gus yeah. <laughs> the birds will be shaking their heads sadly yeah. it just you're, you're you never don't know exactly how you're supposed to feel with this greek chorus of cute little animals to <laughs> yeah react for you yeah a step up from snow white's menagerie menagerie of animals Snow White had a very impersonal menagerie of animals, and these animals are dwarves. Yeah, know? basically. I mean, well, here's the thing about Cinderella. She's, through the abuse that she's suffered, gone completely crazy, and now she sews little hats, hats and, and sh- shirts for mice. For vermin. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one it's way really, of looking it's at really it. It's really quite a sad... That's one way of looking at it. She also has bubble hallucinations, which was a very strange <laughs> part of this story. Yeah, she was just daydreaming. Was she, Jake? Yeah, I think so. I don't think they were bubble hallucinations. I think she was daydreaming. I think she might have done so some someday trims. her prince will come. Yeah. Well, all right, we're kind of all over the place here, but what did you think about this Cinderella? As we've we've we're talking Disney princesses, we've had exactly two of them now. 
I'm going to guess we both liked Cinderella better than, as a lady, like, we'd rather hang out with her than Snow White. Oh, yeah. But I I like the movie better, too. I'd rather, I don't mind that movie being in the cycle. I do mind Snow White being in the cycle. If my kids are like, let's watch Snow White, I'd be like, eh, let's watch something else instead. If my Mm -hmm. kids are going to be like, let's watch Cinderella, I might still be like, let's watch something else instead, but I'll be much more likely to be like, yeah, okay, sure, whatever. Interesting. So, to you, Cinderella is a movie that just is good and holds up and you like, basically. I mean, I'm not trying to... Obviously, we know it's a kid's movie and it's not going to quite do for us. I'm not, I'm not trying to catch you on that. I'm, yeah. just, I'm just... For me... Eh, you were bored with it? It was a little boring. It was a little bland. Snow White has a real bad guy who's really scary. Yeah. This one... And then Snow White has an awful lot of that dopey songs. That stepmother's a pretty scary lady, man. Yeah, she is. When when uh, I was going to say Snow White, when Cinderella goes into her bedroom and the big shadow from the yeah. bed frame falls over the door. Yeah, or even just like little nefarious things like, "Mother, how could you?" I said, "If, if. yeah, <laughs> if <laughs> this is a really nefarious like ad- way of selling that, she was awesome playing villains. She was she, she was a good villain. It was, actually, I would say she was that a good lady, enough villain that it's really disappointing that there's absolutely no on screen comeuppance for for her for her. I guess Lucifer kind of gets an on screen comeuppance and that maybe he breaks his back when he falls out the window there. Although. I mean, he falls out the tower. He's Pretty in- clearly implying that he died, right? I think so. I think for- there's like Cinderella 2 and Cinderella 3 or something like that. There's like Lucifer on the cover, but I don't accept that as canon. Well, we're going to have to My watch canon. all those, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> Theatrical releases, man. So in your canon, Lucifer- My canon, Lucifer's dead. Lucifer's dead? Yep. Bruno chased him out the window. He got, he got what was coming to him. Well, that's kind of like the opposite of a Cinderella story. A big bourgeoisie dog- Killed a poor defenseless cat. Please. Lucifer is a pampered, protected little spoiled brat, just like the sisters. What we get is a cathartic little stand-in for the sisters. It should have ended with <laughs> the prince marching the sisters <laughs> up the tower. <laughs> and throwing, <laughs> throwing them, them off. off. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't allowed to kill the stepsisters or the stepmom, so we killed the cat. That was their surrogate. That actually is always a problem with Cinderella. Is Cinderella is so sweet and nice, you don't really want her to like take revenge at now, the end. It now kind she's of, going to order that. Yeah. <laughs> now that I'm the queen. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and in the Lily James one, it's, it actually is really moving when she says, I forgive you to Kate Blanchett. But then you still kind of want the prince to be like, I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Charles Perrault, his, which is the version, or Perrault, I guess. Is that what, how you would I say no the idea. French P-E-R-R-A-U-L-T? He wrote the famous version that everyone keys off of in the 1600s. And in his version, the stepsisters actually do die. No, they ask forgiveness and then they get married to other suitors. So hmm. everybody always, you know, lesser suitors, but they're fine. Everybody always wants to pretend like the old fairy tales are like really creepy and violent. But actually sometimes the, they are. And sometimes they are. Well, the other thing is then the then the Grimm's got a hold of it in the 18th <laughs> century or seventh, whenever they were. And the Grimm's actually in their first version, the stepsisters famously in order to try and make the, sh- the shoe fit so to speak they the first one cuts off her heel and then the other one cuts off her toe and it works they trick the you know the grand vizier or whatever that guy's name is they yeah, the, the duke, duke whoever it is but then some little birds sing a song and say check the shoe there is blood <laughs> that you can't see through the glass but slipper. you can't see through the glass slipper so the scissors get found out and then it was interesting 20 years later, the Grimm's released their second version, 
And I, it turns out they did this a lot. They would come up with more awful fates for In, their villains down the line. Down the line. Huh. Like originally the steps, the evil step uh, queen and Snow White is just going to be put to death, but then they're going to eventually rewrite it. So she has to dance in iron hot shoes until <laughs> she dies. Yeah. So in this case, the stepsisters still cut off their own toe and heel, which to me feels like a pretty good punishment. Just a you've got to live with this now. You got to live with this now and you're not going to be queen and it's, you know, hoisted on your own petard kind of set your own trap kind of thing. Yeah. But the Grimms didn't think that was good enough. So they added the stepsisters callowly, cowardly ishly show up at Cinderella's wedding, try to get in her good graces and then pigeons peck out their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. And there's this whole fairy tale conceit where they're walking on the left side and right side. And then a pigeon comes and pecks out either one of their eyes, you know, one of, one of their eyes, and then they switch, and then the pigeon comes down and pecks out their other eye. I think what Disney needs to do is add more vindictive animals <laughs> in, <laughs> yes. in this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruno, even Bruno chasing Lucifer out is not vindictive. No, he was just trying to... Yeah, he's saving the day. Saving the day. Yeah. We needed the animals to capture and torture Lucifer. Yeah, Peck his eyes out. Peck his eyes out, yeah. <laughs> and, then t- and then go after the stepsisters and the... I think in... Have the mice pluck his whiskers out one by one. Yeah, there we go. Just end with Lucifer on the rack. I think in Ever After, it's pretty nice the way they do it because Drew Barrymore is revealed as Cinderella and all that and she's going to marry the prince. And then the prince says, hey, I'm going to cut off the head of your traitorous sisters and... Stepmom. Step-mom. Squandered your inheritance. And-, and Cinderella gets a chance to be merciful, but still kind of get hers because she says, like, let's not do that. Let's just kind of treat them the way that they treated me. And then it cuts to them doing laundry or something like that. <laughs> That's pretty nice. <laughs> Which I thought was nice. So what's happened since Snow White? Because Snow White was the first, not just the first Disney princess movie, but the first full-length Disney animated feature. Right. And that was in 37? That was indeed in 37. And I think it's and really. This is 1950. This so. is this is exactly 1950, and you can sure tell when you look at Cinderella's bust line. When you look at her, not that you ever would. When you look at her hair, <laughs> this is just like such a. She, 19- she's now a 1950s housewife. She is a 1950s housewife. Her dress, the just yeah, her slippers, the high heel <laughs> glass slipper, the extreme high heel glass slipper that she ends up with. It's just all so 50s chic. But the important thing is 37. Disney has a artistic and commercial triumph, is able to build his empire. And then he has mixed results basically until Cinderella. So you have things like Pinocchio and Dumbo. Dumbo. I think that they actually hold up about as well as anything because for adults because they're scary and he's channeling his id. And but Pinocchio's pretty great. Yeah, and it's scary. But it's great. great. Uh, Fantasia. It's a great way to torture your small children though if you <laughs> yeah it's awful but this is the thing the closest i think I, that this and maybe mary poppins those that string of films is disney the artist disney the person who actually cares about telling a good story and is you know he's he's reaching inside himself and mm-hmm. finding the darkness and finding the nightmares and the dreams and everything that disney builds itself the dream factory i think he really was that leading up to cinderella but what happened is those things They've all eventually made money in re-release, but they didn't make a lot of money then, some more than others. And then we go into the war years where he's not actually producing full-length animated things. He's helping produce propaganda films for the war and producing 
smaller scale things like three three carabineros and things like that. And so Disney is on the verge of bankruptcy, basically, like he's not doing well and he needs a hit. One of the things that I don't like about Cinderella is it feels cynical. Well, it is the triumph of businessman Disney. This is very much like, let's go back. Let's do a princess thing. Let's do the princess thing. Let's design a hit movie. Let's make sure that there's lots of animal slapstick. Let's make sure that there's nothing too scary. And all the movies after that, you know, your Jungle Books, your Peter Pans, your, they're just like, they're more kid-friendly and there's a lot to love about them, but they're just not the same stuff that dreams are made of that I think some of those early Disney movies are. Cinderella is designed as a hit. We need this movie to pull us out of bankruptcy. That's exactly what it, it did. It gave them the capital to, you know, like all the final successes of Disney's last years, the building of Disneyland and going into live action and having some successes with 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and Mary Poppins. Oh, that to Cinderella. Oh, that to Cinderella. Like what we know is kind of the Disney corporation was built really on the back of Cinderella. Yeah, what I, I, I think it's pretty clear that this is the first Disney film that feels like a Disney film, like what yeah. you think of as a Disney film. We have distilled the formula down. We know what people want. We know what makes this work. We know what was successful in the other movies, and we know what wasn't successful in the other movies. And we are going to just create it in a lab. You know, We're going to make sure that there's the cute, lovable animal sidekicks. We're going to make sure that they're... The, the princess is pretty. She's got a, a hit song or yep. two. We got some magic. We've got some drama. And that's it. Yeah. We're going to see kind of the last surge of artist Walt with Sleeping Beauty. And that's pretty great. But there again, it didn't make money. Like Disney's story, it would be it would be interesting to see a world where Disney had been able to give into his most artistic. So to, I don't like to use the word artistic, but I'm not sure what other word to use. Where he'd been able to follow those impulses and make lots of money. Like what what caliber of talent would we think of Disney as? Maybe we would just think of him as one of the great film directors instead of one of the great film visionaries magnates. and businessmen magnates yeah it would be interesting to see that alternate history but what we've got is pretty great and i love a lot of the movies and obviously they work for kids but well yeah i mean that's that is the thing i mean you listed what so we have snow white uh pinocchio dumbo with bambi pinocchio dumbo bambi and fantasia fantasia would all be in there and, Those and, are all, to certain degrees, off-putting to children. Yeah, I mean, Bambi's got cute animal talking animals. But it's also got the most traumatic moment in all of Disney cinema, I think. Something that people all, all remember from their childhood. Yeah, one way or another. So if you take all of those up to and including Cinderella... Like, you're going to pick one of those movies for just a fun family movie night. Mm -hmm. Cinderella is the clear winner. Like, there really isn't a close second to, in my mind. You can say Pinocchio is a great movie. Mm -hmm. You can say that, you know, Fantasia's fun in its own wild way. You can say that, you know, Bambi, whatever you want to say, Cinderella is the clear winner. Like, if I were to line all those movies up for my kids, mm -hmm. they're going to pick Cinderella every time, even the boys. Well, and then having perfected the formula, Disney goes into making movies I think all of which kids re remember more fondly and love more than those ones we just mentioned. Things like Peter Pan, The Jungle Book, uh -huh. uh, 101 Dalmatians, which are all just like these... Rescuers? Yeah, I think... No, that's probably yeah, That's after. That's post. Yeah. That's after Disney's death. But, but in particular, while Disney's alive, Jungle Book, 101 Dalmatians... Peter Pan. Peter Pan. Kids 
love those movies and there's yeah. no kid boy or girl anywhere that wouldn't choose those movies over dumbo yeah absolutely fantasia certainly so he triumphed he figured out the formula and it worked and i don't you know i wouldn't go back and change anything i don't think but i do mourn the loss of the guy that was able to frankly just tap into nightmares the way that he was i mean that that guy was interesting like what is it the sequence in pinocchio with the boys turning into donkeys donkeys yeah was really i have not seen that movie since i was a little kid but it's really stuck with me as something that's really it is scary scary it's still scary i what happened just the other day oh my uh my oldest daughter had been had been reading a pinocchio book of Mm -hmm. some kind some novelization of pinocchio i don't know what it was for school she's in third fourth grade so she really wanted to watch pinocchio so she put it on and then i i told her her mom told her that she could you know and she put it on and then she had to go somewhere like she and amanda and like the three oldest kids all left and i was like at the, the dining room table doing work or whatever and this movie that they had started was on and they were all gone and all of a sudden i have these little kids like that are terrified <laughs> right and i realized that i have or my wife or somehow some combination of us we've managed to leave my seven-year-old my five-year-old my four-year-old and my three-year-old alone with one of the most terrifying disney movies right. of all time <laughs> it was you got the whale you've got the donkeys you've got he's separated from his dad not only is he on his own not only is he being kidnapped not only is he in these this scary place where people are trying to get him to do bad things mm-hmm. the and the bad things are then having this these horrifying consequences and turning them into donkeys like then he can't figure out where his dad is and his dad's in the belly of this whale and he can't get to him it's like all of this it's well and there's this really heavy scary and traumatic there's like, like this heavy moral pall but it's always his fault like yeah he wanted to go to pleasure island and he got talked into it it's like oh if i disobey my dad now i know i'm going to be turned into a donkey and i won't be turned back i won't be saved at the last minute no you're going to be carted off carted off to be a slave donkey somewhere. It's pretty heavy for Yeah, it's kids. heavy stuff, for sure. And there's no mercy even for his, he's punished for his naivete mm-hmm. as much as his disobedience, like his trustingness. Yeah, he wants to do the right thing. It just feels like fate has other plans and it's just... And then, the, you know, the fairy gets him out of his jams, but just the same. Yeah. It's it's pretty t- it's pretty scary. Yeah, and the adult appreciator of cinema in me would love to see two or three more of those. But I am glad that we had Uncle Walt and that he gave us fun movies that I really loved as a kid. I'm these days I'm not as excited to go back to things like 101 Dalmatians because it really is a lot of slapstick. But uh-huh. it's good. I mean, it's good slapstick and it's fun and it's well drawn and it's cute. There's always a good song in there. Yeah, there's always a good song. Cruella Deville's a good song. Cruella Deville. I mean, you want to talk about the tip-top evil woman? Well, Maleficent. We're going to talk about her next. next yeah. But Cruella Deville's got to be in the top ten evil women in Disney films, though. Top ten. I'm going to give her that. Yeah. Yeah. Top ten evil. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty pretty low bar, really. <laughs> top ten evil women in cinema, maybe. All right. All right. I mean, you're going to have Maleficent, the witch from the stepmother. The witch from Snow White, you're going to have Ursula. Mm-hmm. 
those are the big ones. Those would be the main, main ones. Yeah, those would be the top five. Well, what is what what else is there to say about Cinderella as a movie? What did we say actually? What we thought of Cinderella as Cinderella? The thing that was outstanding to me was how much of a 1950s image of domestic Babeness. perfection she was. It's fun to be removed enough from a culture that you can just observe without bias what made that culture uh, i don't know how to talk about this but <laughs> guys liked a certain kind of woman back then and it's interesting to see that that's what i'm trying to say true they did and a certain kind of woman was presented as the ideal woman yep and she's very different than snow uh from snow white she's very different from snow white yeah snow white is like a relic of kind of the simpering silent movie kind of heroine it's got some betty boop going on little betty boop she's snow white's not nearly as slender or as well-defined as sleeping beauty is like you can just you mean cinderella but, sorry i mean sleep, sleeping beauty she is the slender one yeah sleeping beauty we're getting into kind of the audrey hepburn exactly. era but we're straight up marilyn monroe life magazine buy the perfect beer for your husband those kinds of cheesy old ads that you see that's the ideal of yep. woman that cinderella is and she's perfect and then i love that the stepsisters are like ugly old <laughs> <laughs> hags in the vein of we got the brunette and the redhead the brunette and the redhead yeah nothing like as beautiful as beautiful the blonde, blonde the blonde the blonde bombshell did you like cinderella on a personality level did you think there was anything there as compared to snow white and, and I, looking forward to the other princesses we're going to be talking about there was more there i mean she cares for the animals mm -hmm. she talks to them she's sweet to them she tries to have a good attitude about her work she also unlike snow white has just a little bit of a bad attitude about her work like like she'll make a sort of wry comment like i'm coming i'm coming you know she'll say things I'm like coming yeah yeah it's just a little bit a little bit of a little like, more spunk and backbone. Yeah, and, she's gonna cover her head with the pillow when the you know the bird comes to sing and and you know to wake her up in the opening scene and but she's making a joke and she's actually ready to get up and glow glow right. up with the morning you know <laughs> <laughs> just like any Disney princess would right just like but uh, that's like her job Shrek like to make fun of but. that that came that comes with the territory though as far as the kind of character that does those sorts of things she's definitely yeah. easier to put up with than. She's just more of a normal person. More of a normal person. Yeah. Yeah. And even like what she she gets on to Bruno's case. Lucifer does the little fake thing mm -hmm. and she kicks Bruno outside, but then she's like, doesn't have a whole lot of sympathy for Lucifer. Yeah. She tries to think of something nice to say about Lucifer. and <laughs> She can't. <laughs> Snow White was just simpering enough that she probably would have come up with some nice thing to say. Yeah. Because she was just. Snow White was just dumb, but <laughs> Cinderella's not dumb. No, she knows. Not dumb. She knows she's being mistreated. She's gonna take it well. But yeah, I was surprised by her. I will say this prince though. What a zero! This is this is this the worst Disney prince? I think he's got like three lines of dialogue. Wait, I don't even know your no, name. Come back. <laughs> How will we, I find you? We just recited the entire part. <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> but his dad, the king's got lots of personality. The king's great. He he wants those grandbabies. Man. He wants those grandbabies, and he's gonna dream about the grandbabies. <laughs> dream about the grandbabies. He's gonna be like certainly some maiden in this 
kingdom would make for a good mother. I mean, wife. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's going to say things like that. He's going to be super annoyed with his son for gallivanting out around and killing dragons or whatever he's been doing, right. hunting. Man, just settle down. Get married. I'm going to kill you, Duke, <laughs> if you don't make this happen. like I liked his relationship with the Duke. For me, that's the right level of slapstick for a disney movie like i don't need sir hiss and getting hit over the head like all that kind of stuff is a little bit much for me a lot you really of like to pick on robin hood man yeah it's just not my favorite but i like it and i understand why everybody thinks it's the best everybody's not wrong i'm just smarter than they are uh <laughs> <laughs> a way of saying everybody's wrong no i understand why you all like robin hood and this is not an Agatha Christie situation. I like Robin Hood too. I just, I just don't think it's really a classic and we'll have to watch it sometime. It's the music. It is the music. It's the music as much as anything. And I get that. And the comedy, people love it. But for me, the comedy is a little bit much in Robin Hood. It's a little bit silly. I like silly comedy. I just, the level of silly comedy between the King and the Duke in this one was perfect for me. When they have their big slapstick scene where they're bouncing, floating, on, the bouncing on the bed and everything. Yeah. That's pretty great. Oh, and this movie did have one line that as an adult watching it by myself taking notes for a <laughs> podcast really made me laugh what was it oh it's when they present the dress the mice present the dress to cinderella and guest yeah. says happy birthday yes yeah that's i feel like that's something that i do all the time when i when that line hit i was like that's like a phrase that's entered into your that's, brain. That's and... entered into my brain to say happy birthday out of context for mm -hmm. comedic effect. And I wondered if Gus Gus was the reason that I do that. Right. Like if you just give somebody something or. Yeah. Yeah. Just a yeah. happy birthday. I, I assumed that it was, I think, I think maybe I assumed that it would have been Frosty the Snowman. Every time he comes to life, he says happy birthday. But. You know, I've never seen Frosty the Snowman actually. Oh. I know the song. I know nothing else about it. Hmm. I know he was a jo holly jolly soul and had a corncob pipe and all that, but and a button nose and two eyes. Made yeah, out yeah, of... yeah. No, yeah. That that was pretty good. That was funny. I guess guess still got laughs out of me. Guess guess wanting to fight, and he might be one of the best of that type. The dopey guess guess. I don't know who the other. Is, he's got some spunk, and he's just like he's terrified cinderella saves him and now he's cinderella's guy like mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna go fight that cat he's gonna go fight the sisters he's gonna go fight the stepmom he's gonna fight them all like <laughs> i will say i had a, i had more a lot more trouble having patience as an adult with the everything to do with the dwarves the these mice i was i didn't feel like fast forwarding or anything it was fun yeah and then if you had if you had kids in yeah it would have been better with kids obviously i mean I have a son who makes every movie enjoyable on an ironic level mm -hmm. and sometimes makes good movies unenjoyable. <laughs> but if it's a bad movie or if it's just a fun kids movie, he's great because he is out of control outside. It, 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 he's in a perpetual state of ecstasy. Well, he's the same son that when we watched the Lily James Cinderella and I happened to be over and her, her, her pumpkin crashed, he, he stood up sank to his knees, put his hands in the air and went, no! <laughs> yeah, and he's not, what he's doing in those moments, what's so awesome about it is that he is he is not acting, he is not playing to the crowd, he's not repeating something that he's seen on TV. No, he's he's just, just like so caught up, he gets so sucked in. Mm -hmm. He cannot, he's not, he is unaware of himself and he is just purely emoting full on mm -hmm. 100% of the time, and it's amazing and hilarious, and 
those tensions and those fight, you know, like the, you know, is Gus Gus under the, the cup, the cup or is he not, you mm-hmm. know, is, you know, is he going to get trapped in the corner? Like those, those things are super fun to watch with, with him because he is so into it. Yeah. And, and he laughs at all the punchlines and it's pretty fun. Yeah. I, that I'm sure would have made this movie, but even normal kid mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to, to Ian, <laughs> even normal kids make it fun to watch those scenes or that much more fun to watch those kinds of scenes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, how am I supposed to have fun with those scenes as an adult watching them by myself? Even if I just, I didn't have a chance to watch this with my wife, even just having her there would have made everything that much more fun, yeah. more fun. Yeah. yeah. You would have had fun watching it with her. She would have had fun with it. I mean, even an adult comedy, you really don't want to watch by yourself. Cause it's just like, Part of the point of la- uh, of a comedy is being able to laugh with people. Yeah, and laughter is contagious. Like you can yeah. watch a movie that you, in some theoretical way, think is hilarious, and you won't really laugh that much if you're no, watching. No, but it by you yourself. invite somebody like cer- there are certain friends that you know that you have that they just make a comedy that much more fun to watch because they're enjoying it. Because yeah. they enjoy it, they laugh, they have an infectious laugh, and it just makes it that much more fun. I remember seeing one of those Austin Powers movies in the theaters and it just being the funniest thing ever. And that's Mike Myers really isn't my bag. And I don't like if you if I turned one of those on now, I, I don't think I'd enjoy it at all. And it's not because I've grown up. I, I don't think I would have enjoyed it then. But just watching it with an audience, like a full yeah. house of people that were there for it was yeah. a lot of fun. Ah, What else is there to say about Cinderella? I guess we've talked our way through most of the major characters. What did you think about the music in this one? It was... I mean, Bippity Boppity Boo is a classic. That's a classic, yeah. Does Someday My Prince Will Come? Or no, that's Snow White. That's Snow White. Someday My Prince. This one starts with that really lame song that the choir is singing during the credits where it's like, Cinderella, you'll go to the dance. Cinderella, you will find romance. Cinderella, Cinderella. That's a good one. Yeah. Or Night and Day. It's it's either like that and the reprise. Those are good. Those are fun. Yeah, those are good. I think the only one that stinks is that first, that one during the credits. That sort of... With the birds? No. Whistling? The one where she wakes up is fine. Okay, um, so just, just the... The credits song. But the, that, that's, Disney did that a lot. They had a little chorus while they were like opening the book and the narrator is telling us the backstory. And one of my pet speed. peeves is songs that are only applicable to the movie i understand it's necessary in musicals some but like there's a rogers and hammerstein i think in carousel where there's a really beautiful song that they're singing about a clam bake like we're at a wonderful clam bake and it's like i can't use this song in my life because (laughs) i will never be at a clam bake and i put that together with there's just a genre of songs where it's like this is about something so specific that no one would ever sing about except for somebody made a movie and here they come to, the men in black. Here come the men in black. And so we needed a song. <laughs> Galaxy Defenders, baby. <laughs> Galaxy Defenders. Vanilla Ice's Ninja Rap from... Yeah. from go Ninja, go, go Ninja, Ninja, go. Fun As, story. My four-year-old made Alexa play Ice Ice Baby this morning. Oh, wow. That's the way culture works, folks. And yep. hopefully we'll all be defeated by China and <laughs> an end will be put <laughs> to a It'll all burn. <laughs> It'll all burn soon. But I mean, like the great movie songs are like, Staying Alive or Let It Go or Moon River that stand completely apart from the movies that generated them, but also are really iconic in the movies. The bad movie songs are like Wicka Wicka Wild Wild West, where it's like... <laughs> James West, Desperado. <laughs> There's no way that Will Smith would ever sing about this <laughs> unless he was trying to cash in on... Big paycheck. A really bad movie that he did instead of doing The Matrix. 
Oh, here you want me? I, I, I'll ask you real quick, Jake, about some of the thematic because that's what uh, we do. Yes. We talk about the, the the deeper themes of these yeah, things. Yeah, the deeper the deeper themes. So, do yeah. you think that the narrative that a fairy godmother comes and chooses you is it's unhelpful? Is it an unhelpful it's narrative? An unhelpful narrative. It's like if you're a white bourgeois kind of beautiful lady, then yeah, everybody will be in it for you and the little mice disempowered mice will just live to serve your whims and make you happy and the fairy godmother will live to empower you and actually you don't really have to do anything you just wait for all the people who are less empowered than you to make your dreams come true that's one way of looking at it another way of looking at it is magic in in uh fairy tales are is always a stand or almost always a stand-in for it's a, the externalization of the guiding hand of providence. Right. And so if you want to say that actually things work out well in the end for those who are humble and righteous and providence favors the humble and the righteous, there's a real life logic to that, even though it doesn't always work out that way either. No, but that's fairy tales are full of characters that exist just to redress things karmically, basically just, you know, a fairy godmother who's just like, you deserve to have something good and these other people deserve something bad and so i'm just gonna wave my magic wand and make it happen flip the script because that's what i do certainly the the reason that those stories have that appeal is because they all appeal to our innate sense of justice which correlates to our our innate understanding of the relative injustice of the way things play out in the world yeah, we all know that there's people working at McDonald's right now that deserve to be queen, and there's certainly we certainly know that there's people that are in power that <laughs> don't deserve it. Don't deserve it. Yeah, well, I mean, if we want to get all gospel coalition-y, you know, we all know deep down that good should triumph, the humble mm-hmm. and the righteous should be elevated, the wicked should be cast down, and they all it all will in the end, and there's a happily ever after coming. If we want to be all gospel coalition-y about it. Well, the if other we all thing- want to be fake C.S. Lewis being fake being real Carl Jung about it, mm-hmm. we can do that. And it's true. And that is why those stories have that appeal. Well, I think there's also something to be said. I've been thinking about this a lot because on the bookening, we've been doing The Hobbit and I've also been watching The Hobbit movies. In The Hobbit movies, they give Bilbo lots of agency. Like he's always making choices to become a better Bilbo, which is them, I think, trying to fix what they saw as probably a flaw in the book, which is that a lot of times it's just Gandalf saving his skin or him stumbling on a magic ring or him just getting lucky. And there are a few subtle areas of growth for Bilbo, but basically he doesn't have all that much agency. So I've been thinking about this and I think there's something for stories where characters actually don't have that much agency in their own growth. Ascendancy. Their own ascendancy. Like it actually jives with real life a little bit more than the hero's journey thing where I just have to make the choice. That also jives with the, but how much, how many, how much of my sanctification has not been because I've made great choices, but because God has been kind enough to change my life circumstances, to move me from one town to another, to put me in different jobs, to give me different friends. A quest for intentional self-actualization may not be what we all need after all. No, some of us just need to get along as best as we can and Entrust, entrust our lives in circumstances to God and be content in the circumstances we find ourselves in and trust that if we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord in due time, he will raise us up. Well, that leads us into maybe my last question, which is, we all know what the Campbellian formula is for men. Is there a... Yeah. 
a Campbellian? Is there a mono? Is there a womano myth? I'll call it. Get it, folks? Is there a parallel woman journey, and does it look the same? It's the opposite. It's it's the the woman is always on the quest for domestic bliss. She's trying to get home. Mm-hmm. She's trying to get to a home that's established. She's trying to, or she's waiting to be rescued so that her home can be established. Why stories like Cinderella end with a marriage is because, and therefore happily ever after is because her prince came, just Mm -hmm. like Snow White sings about, saves the day, and now she gets to have a house. What what is Snow White looking for? Even once she goes, oh, maybe there are children here. Mm Mm-hmm. I will take care of these seven childish dwarves. I will be a mother to, oh, now my prince is going to come and he's going to save the day. And now I'm going to get to have my home. And the same thing's true of Cinderella and the same thing's true of Sleeping Beauty. Whereas, you know, the hero's journey is you leave leave your home Mm -hmm. and you go out and you seek adventure and you conquer your inner demons and you become a better person and you can't go back to home as was at the end of the day, because you've been fundamentally changed. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I was just thinking of the classic female stories versus the classic male stories, and there's no getting around it. You can rail against the sexism all you want, but most great female myths are essentially passive in nature. Yeah. They are, I am going to wait, and I'm going to maintain my virtue in the waiting. Well, and that's why people make a big deal out of the modern feminism inversion of that or attempt to invert that it's why elsa has to go on her own self-actualization journeys Mm -hmm. you know she has to have a hero's journey of her own and we make a big like the feminists will make a big deal out of that and write about it on purpose oh yeah that's what they're doing but it's also why their stories just aren't as resonant like if you want to make a good ray is the next jedi story it actually has to, in some way, if you're if you're if the hero of your Star Wars narrative is going to be female, it actually has to, in some way, not be Joseph Campbell's thing, not be she leaves home and learns to self actualize. It has to, I think, be more like somehow, and I don't know how this would work in Star Wars or whether you'd want it to work in Star Wars, but I think the classic woman story is she maintains her virtue and basically her meek and quiet spirit in the face of. The things that happen to her. Yeah. So that's Esther. That's Mary to take the, that's Ruth yeah. to take the three biblical narratives. Mm-hmm. That's every fairy tale. Yeah. And that's princess. not robbing uh, those women of agency in any way, shape, or form. Or I mean, strength. It, yeah. Yeah. It, they, they're not the hero of their story, but they have to display faith and humility and courage and endure suffering and hardship. In some ways, it's much harder because they're not going to be able to just cut off the dragon's head. Esther can't just deal summarily with Haman. She has to appeal to the king, to her husband. And she has, and that involves real risk. Like, he might not be happy. It, it was an audacious thing for her to do. Mm-hmm. And he might have her killed or relegated. And, you know, it, she she's wise about it. She prays and she trusts God and you know, more, I think it's Mordecai mm-hmm. who says, you know, perhaps you were raised up for such a time as this. And she does. Everything gets, you know, flipped on Haman and Mordecai gets elevated and all that stuff happens. But it, Esther doesn't play the man. Esther, no, she's, Esther has to play the woman and the wife and she does it well. She has to God humbly submit that. to becoming the queen in the first place to, 
Mordecai being like, hey, you should do this really difficult thing that, yeah, it's completely different. And, and by the way, in case anyone's confused by this, I think when we talk about these kinds of archetypes, it is very useful to talk about the biblical stories and we can't avoid that. I might sometimes use the word myth awfully close in the same sentence to a biblical story. It's not because I don't think the Bible stories are true, but it's because they are the defining stories, the archetypes that define Western civilization and that all the fairy tales and everything are, you can't divorce the biblical narratives. Biblical narratives are more than just archetype, but you can't divorce them from being archetypal. Well, and then there's, of course, the big story of Jesus comes, Jesus saves his bride, Mm -hmm. his bride who was helpless, lost Mm -hmm. in her sin, by the side of the road, wallowing in her own blood, if you want to take the metaphor from Ezekiel, Mm -hmm. or dead in sins and trespasses, sacrifices for her, raises up, is raised up and conquers sin, death, and the devil in in the process, and puts them all to a final end at the end, and... Then there's the marriage feast of the lamb and they live happily ever after. Well, and I think that's a great story. And I think pagans are so boring and bland and stupid. Like the only thing that they can think to make women strong and interesting and colorful is to make them exactly like men. I know I'm saying nothing that many other Christians haven't already said, but there's such great stories to be told about the Cinderella's. And, you know, there's a big difference between simpering Snow White, who I don't think we like very much, and Cinderella, who we like a little bit better. And Belle and Beauty and the Beast, who I think will like better still, if I'm guessing correctly. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you can have a lot of strength and agency and interest and color and intelligence and all these things while occupying the roles and the stations that God's designed for you. You don't have to try and climb out of a window like Emma Watson. It's true. That's what I, after you made a deal with the Beast. That's all I'm trying to say, folks. That's really all I've been trying to say this whole podcast. Anyway, I think that's why the story, the Cinderella's stories resonant is because it would be good either in either case if you didn't make fun of bakers for being bakers. I think being a baker is a noble, noble profession. I don't think we need to mock it as being boring and provincial. Just saying. Well, Jake, there there has to be something more than this provincial life, though. Mm. Does there? I'm gonna make well my wife. <laughs> 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 No, I'm already married. I guess that's all to say about Cinderella. I don't think it's probably worth us doing an episode on the Lily James Cinderella because I don't know what we'd say besides, oh, we liked it. It was nice. But I I really like it. For whatever reason, I've seen it three times and I've cried all three of them. And I just think it's really sweet. I think she's a sweetheart the way that she plays the part. And that goes a long way. Yeah. And Kenneth Branagh, it's like the one He knows how to milk it. He really knows how to milk it. Yeah. You want him doing those big broad sweeping types of things yeah yeah not a I mean, great man for subtlety kind of give him, give him a whole spool of iron thread yeah so on all the buttons yeah he likes to make sure those buttons will never come off a little bit like the no he's not he's like the opposite of the mice wives and the way they sewed that dress those yeah. stepsisters tore that thing to shreds but True. if kenneth branagh had sewed those buttons on never coming off the sister's fingers would have been broken well folks thanks for listening we'll be back in a couple of weeks with something or other sanity at the movies was brought into existence and turned from rags into riches by your two fairy godmothers jake and nathan till next time oh go to sanity or uh, patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity and to support this work and until next time bippity <laughs> 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 can't do it <laughs> 
I think that's a good ending. That's a pretty good ending right there. <laughs>